Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. I'd like to begin by dedicating our series on spiritual healing to my father, Charles Robert Thompson, uh, who passed in March of uh, prostate cancer. Dad was a working man, uh, spent his entire adult life as a machinist, a skilled machinist, family man, very much a family man, and he uh, was uh, not especially fond of authority, uh, in a generous and, and open sort of way, uh, but uh, Dad, uh, along with Mom, made the choice not to raise me in any kind of organized religious uh, setting, and uh, for that reason, I, I think we, we can owe a lot of this podcast to him. Um, so, Dad didn't really participate in, in spiritual healing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think he, he would have had an open mind about it. Um, he definitely, uh, for his cancer, he was uh, treated uh, by medical science. And, uh, and, and I do want to make a note about that before we begin. Uh, in our discussion about spiritual healing, um, I, we don't view this as a, as a replacement for medical science. Certainly, if you have a physical uh, situation, physical ailment, physical problem, especially a serious one, you should, absolutely should, seek medical attention. Our discussion about spiritual healing is going to be about the ways in which it can uh, augment uh, what medical science has to offer uh, and enhance uh, the healing process. It's all about the plants, man. It's all in the plants. It's all in the plants. Us and the plants. What does that mean? We are connected with the plants. Yeah, the plants they are living. They communicate to us. She's been researching DMT a lot lately. Uh, and we are <laughs> connected to the plants. All right, well, let's go ahead, Olivia, and let the people know what they can look forward to before I open this particular episode on shamans. We will be opening with shamans today, and then, Olivia, we will be doing our second flipped episode. Flipped! And what will that be on? It's going to be DMT and machine elves. And a little bit of neo-shamanism, yeah? Yeah. We're going to be talking about shamanism a little bit, but I'm going to try not to talk about a lot of, like, the specifics so you can listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to set you up. Uh, so uh, we're going to then do a, a sort of series in biblical times. We're going to do Jesus of Nazareth as a miracle worker. Uh, yeah. Let's get, let's get excited about this. Yeah, I know my, yeah. my occult people are like, oh, man. I just quit that church, but uh, <laughs> Jesus, I'm gonna be singing. We're gonna be. All we'll be talking about Jesus conspiracy theories and all sorts of fun stuff, and whether or not Jesus was a black sorcerer, and whether or not he had tattoos. It's gonna be a fun episode. Yeah, seriously, oh, uh, it'll, it'll be a good time. Then after that, we're gonna do demonology and exorcism. So that sort of all pulls together biblical magic. Uh, then we're going to be doing spiritual healing to sort of close up that series, talk about Christian science and American spiritual healing and broaden that a bit. And we're going to close with Chinese medicine. Yeah. That's the perfect closer. Right? Yeah. China. It's so big. <laughs> I like to close with things it's... that are big. <laughs> yeah. This? This, this has to stop. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Another two-star review right there. Right. <laughs> Someone just left. Why? He said China was big. Stuff. Yeah. It didn't even make sense. It's lame. So, let's get to it, friends. We're starting our discussion of supernatural healing with shamanism. 
The term shaman is pretty is pretty common one, especially among the new age and metaphysical crowds. Olivia will get to them. But it's often very much misunderstood. In the earliest days of human tribal culture, the shaman healed the sick, mended social conflicts, and was a regular source of entertainment. Sort of like me. <laughs> the shaman achieved all of this through his or her unique ability to mediate with the spirits. Shamans projected their souls across oceans and into the spirit world. They opened their bodies to become vessels for the spirits, and they did battle with evil supernatural forces, threatening them or their village. For the shaman, disease was a holistic and psychosomatic experience. That is to say, they treated their patients with herbal remedies for the body, detailed rituals for the mind, and crossed the boundary between the physical and non-physical worlds to treat the spirit. This is something we often miss with modern medicine, even though there is ample evidence of a connection between mind and body and growing evidence of extra-physical components of the self. Advances in technology have allowed us to take great strides in the material world. More children survive to adulthood, people live longer, and there's a pill for everything. But an overemphasis on the physical has also distorted the way we heal. We've come to rely on our pills, even when they aren't the only or even the best solution. This has bred super germs and fostered a culture of addiction. And we've pathologized normal life experiences like pregnancy, birth, and death by introducing medical interventions that have distanced us from our humanity and threatened or ruined our quality of life. Modern medicine is a wonderful thing. But in our centuries-long quest to develop a physical science of healing, much of the wisdom of the shamans was lost along the way. Today begins our occult confessions journey to try and rediscover some of that wisdom. In the world of self-help and the New Age, many have attempted a similar journey, but they often commit the same offense in the opposite direction, privileging the non-physical or mental over the physical. In our secret order, the lessons of the shaman and their many cultural children in the field of spiritual healing should be relearned as an addition to medical science. Modern medicine has become deeply expert in the treatment of the body, but for the self, including the body, to achieve the best possible recovery, treatment of mind and spirit are a powerful, if not necessary, support. So that's our hypothesis. How do you feel about that? I think that it's absolutely 100% true, and I'm willing to bet money on it. Ooh. <laughs> Half of the components that are in ayahuasca is actually uh, like found in antidepressants. So, mm. so you just go herbal. I'm not. This well, is. We are I'm offering no saying. medical advice here whatsoever. It's interesting. We are that... not. I am not that kind of doctor. They also have a lot of in hospitals. Don't they have a lot of like uh, priests and whatnot to come and? Yeah, you got your chaplains. You, yeah, you, you, like it's it's a thing that they kind of recognize is people want slash need this. A lot of hospitals Times of have crisis. Like a little church, like yeah, in them. the church. Like yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, well, like, even, like, your dad, for example, didn't, like, all the talk doctors tell him that he should not be able to walk right now? But he was so stubborn. He's like, no. Yeah, they wanted to chop <laughs> off his foot there in the hospital, and he, wow. he was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not. What was he in my, for, if, if you don't mind my his asking? His foot was crushed by a forklift, a loaded oh forklift. Wow. Forward, backward, and then stopped ah. on And they told him they would have to amputate the foot. Yes. And then what? And then he spent several months there at the hospital, uh... And he ended up being able to get up and walk in the sand, um, even though it was excruciating. And he was able yeah. to rehab it 
back to a... So he just refused. He just refused. He willed his foot yes, back. he willed his foot back. Wow. That's some real shit. Though. Yeah, no, the, without the foot, there he has enough injuries that he shouldn't be able to stand or walk, but he does. Hmm. Sheer will. Coaches baseball. <laughs> 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 Gotta get back to the diamond. Right. My name is Rob C. Thompson. I am the supreme hierophant of our secret order of alchemical actors. I am a doctor of alternative religion, things spiritual, spiritual healing. I did study spiritual healing as part of my dissertation research. I'm here with Olivia Literal, our grand master of the order. Hello, my mind is plagued with DMT. So, but not the, I'm not on DMT. <laughs> if I was on it right now, this would I wouldn't be speaking. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, yeah, and so I'm James I'm <laughs> at the table That was Olivia, the Grandmaster Please control the table James Caplan just taking control of the table there <laughs> Shannon Landers, our Instaquisitor oh, Back on the saddle I just want to say I, that I also am not on DMT <laughs> I just want to Hi, my name put is Shannon, and I am not on DMT. I think from now on, we should clarify what we are and are not on as we begin each episode. Oh. Yeah. Like a, like a full count? We just go through, yeah, any pharmacological substance we may or may not be on. Maybe, maybe we should put that at the end maybe any as pre- a disclaimer. Pre- co- I'm uh, Shannon Landers, <laughs> and I'm not on penicillin. Yeah, <laughs> and we have to say that the whole formula. We, the members oh, of the secret order, order of alchemical actors, actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. I feel like James almost fell off that one. I did. I almost said, said that I wasn't doing drugs. <laughs> we swear that we are not on anything. <laughs> All right, let's talk about sources today. Oh, open up the three plugs, Olivia, please. Wow. I feel like I'm at a sports stadium today with you. You keep I'm like cupping really your cupping face. The hands. Yeah. You got a little pizzazz on that I'm one. To mix it up. <laughs> We're going to be taking some of our shamanic voices from the book Shamanic Voices by Joan Halifax. Ooh. Also, Shamanism by Margaret Stutley, Merritt DeMont Jacobson's Shamanism, colon, Traditional and Contemporary Approaches to the Mastery of Spirits and Healing, and Performance Theory by the performance scholar Richard Schechner, one of my favorite scholars. I am a performance theorist after all. What are you two doing? Doing. We're cutting it up, Rob. Our listeners can't see, but cutting yeah. up what? We're we're just doing a little yeah. jig. Cutting up you're... the sources. Yeah, I'm hyping myself up for the episode. Yeah, I'm getting ready. I had one coffee and leftover spaghetti for food today. That, that spaghetti gross. really did it. Does coffee count as food? <laughs> I, did I you hope eat so, the coffee? Cause... Well, <laughs> you ate the beans. <laughs> there was ice in it. Uh, let's talk about our Patreon for a second here. Now, I, I've got to I've got to have a heart to heart with our with our confessors out there. Uh, because we are now currently in a uh, patron off with our rival podcast, uh, Church Secrets. Oh, those guys! Yeah, those guys over at Church Secrets, and uh, and uh, they're they're beating us by by a couple of couple of patrons right now. So I I want our confessors to get on. It's just one dollar a month, and we want to beat Church Secrets. We want to beat. Don't you want to beat Church Secrets? Right. So Wait, it's a, I don't want to beat Church Secrets. I need to beat Church Secrets. <laughs> Now, Shannon is very conflict-averse. I, I, this is a friendly rivalry, Shannon. Okay, I want to clarify. But, you know. Until we kill them. Right. Wait, oh, whoa. yes. What? As long as we do it in a fair way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We also want to clarify, uh, Shannon, so that people don't get too upset that Church Secrets doesn't exist. No. We just made it up. So if it's really out there, that'll be weird. That'll be weird. We didn't look that up. We didn't confirm that there's no such podcast Church Secrets before we did that. We thought it would be fun to have, like, a rivalry (laughs) against, like, another podcast. 
you know, like, we yeah. can, like, mock, like, argue with each other, and everyone's like, ooh, there's drama, but we're like, not really. Can we get, like, jackets that have, oh, yeah. like, and we can snap? Yeah, and, snap, like, and they'll meet up, and they'll have it, it not jackets. too much like West Side Story. Yeah, a little Damn. bit, a little bit. Speaking yeah. of people who give us money, Kevin C. <laughs> is glad for a place where uh, he can hear us talk about magic and other things that his neighbors in Alabama tend to find taboo. Speaking <laughs> of... What? <laughs> What's that Taboo. sound? No, I'm sorry, I was like, laugh. That was me laughing. <laughs> Taboo. Uh, speaking of Alabama, if anybody knows of magic or neo-pagan gathering places down there in the heart of Dixie, drop it in our DMs, and uh, Shannon will see them DMs. I Slide will. Because right I don't know how to work mm-hmm. them, and she can pass that on. I will. Let's talk about Lauren W., who also joined us on Patreon. Very glad of that. And uh, she took us actually across country with her recently. Oh. Yeah. What did we see? Uh, the whole country, I'm assuming. Oh, okay. <laughs> sea to, we saw the sea, two shining sea. Wow, how poetic. <laughs> She's grateful. Uh, we're grateful. She's grateful, but we're also grateful to have Lauren listening, and uh, we're sending her all that good alchemical actor energy for best success. Uh, Lauren reminded us to remind you that this is a place where indulging our weirdness is really what it's all about. Hell yeah, Lauren. Heck yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> finally, we want to thank, uh, last plug, we're out of the patrons, although Ian is also a patron. Go, Ian. Uh, we're going to thank Ian McAlpin, uh, who is one of our Order of Scholars. I don't know if I'm sticking with that, but I'm working on what to call our researcher friends. Um, and he did his best to help us with the uh, Inuit and Yugik pronunciations and provided some excellent background on the native peoples um, at the Roof of the World who feature in this episode. We can ask him what he wants to be called. Ian? Yeah, I'm assuming. Ian. Oh, we could. He can help like, us name in, the order. Like, he, want, he does want to be called Ian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're like order I see, scholars. Yeah. What, what what should we call this particular segment of our? Yeah, you're right. Good good plan. Thank you. Yeah. Put Ian, that put that on. Slide Instagram. on in the DMs. Slide on in the DMs. Slide it in. <laughs> Are we past DMs with? I don't know. Ian communicates with me via email, so oh, he, he he went right past oh, the. That's Ian's the IDM, got the, the indirect message. <laughs> Uh, while we're on the subject, though, um, Ian uh, pointed out to us, and, and I want to make this known to all of our listeners because it's not something that uh, a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, and this is an interesting fact about language. So, James, you'll be interested in this as a, as a linguist. Oh, I love linguists <laughs> and language. <laughs> yes. So the word Eskimo is actually a racial epithet. What? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Uh, it's considered by the Inuit people to be a, a racial epithet. So oh, we will not be using it in this episode, except <laughs> presently. Actually, Ian asked Ian about this. I said, how am I supposed to let our listeners know that this is a racial epithet without saying it? And he said, there's really no way you have to say the word. Um, but we're going to not use the word for the rest of the episode. And we want to make our listeners aware that uh, you know, we should probably dispense with it. Because the people who actually we are using to describe this find it offensive. So let's let it go. Uh, let's be kind and call people what they want to be called. Right, yeah. Thanks, Ian. For thank you, Ian. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And thank you for all these pronunciations, which I really hope we get thank right, because he tried, yeah, he, he really did some excellent work thank trying Ian. to get us to thank Ian. do these properly. <laughs> okay, let's get to the episode, shall we? Close up them plugs. Plug, plug, plugs. Yeah, yeah, let's put them away. I don't know if that's a thing. Is that a thing now? Do we do that on both sides? I just want to keep plugging. Oh. <laughs> Never goes well. Why does that have to be a bad thing? <laughs> Plugging? Yeah. It's not <laughs> to a lot of people. I've heard that it can be very g- pleasurable. I, picture, <laughs> I picture, like, 
plugs for like bathrooms? You like, guys like the tub? That's what we're me. talking about. I'm lost. Good old fashioned bathtub plug. <clears throat> Hard to find these things. We've de- <laughs> shamans. Shamans. We've developed the term shaman to refer to a wide variety of practices that have a few things in common. And so, we can find shamans in most corners of the world if we go back far enough in history. And there are even shamans still practicing across the globe today. A short list of shamanic cultures includes America's native people, Australia's aboriginals, Siberian and Slavic shamans, Korean shamans, African tribal shamans, Mongolians, Chinese, the Inuit, the Yugik, the list goes on and on. Often, these different cultures yield very different beliefs and practices, but we can pull them all together under the umbrella of shamanism because they have a few shared traits. Let's talk about the first one, the calling. All right, let's start with the shamans themselves. Shamans are called to their role. That's what we mean by the calling. They might be born with unique physical characteristics. An extra bone, for example, in Hungary shamans. We talked about this in the Livonian werewolf episode. Yeah. Or they might have a unique psychological profile. You've probably heard the argument that people diagnosed as schizophrenic today would have been praised and honored for the very traits we medicate in tribal society. This isn't exactly true, but it's possible that they could be put to work as a shaman. Today, hearing voices that no one else can hear is considered a disability. In tribal society, it might be viewed as an ability and a sign that the individual has been or is being called to shamanism. The spirits sometimes speak to the shaman, demanding that the shaman take up the call. There are stories of shamans resisting or attempting to resist and the spirits insisting. Lakota shaman, Lame Deer, heard a voice that described the path he would tread. You are sacrificing yourself to be a medicine man. In time, you will be one. You will teach other medicine men. We are the foul people, the winged ones, the eagles and the owls. We are a nation and you shall be our brother. You will never kill or harm any one of us. You are going to understand us whenever you come to seek a vision here on this hill. You will learn about herbs and roots and you will heal people. You will ask them for nothing in return. A man's life is short. Make yours a worthy one. Ava of the Iglulik, which is an Inuktitut word, meaning there is a house here. Yeah. He was born with an umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. No. Yeah. He died, and Arjuwak, a woman shaman in a neighboring village, was sent for. She wrapped Ava in the skin of a raven, and his life returned to him. So, here we go. Things have improved for him. Wow. She told Ava that he would become a shaman like her, but his calling was slow to come. Having been told his whole life that he would be a shaman, Ava could not understand why the visions wouldn't arrive. He grew despondent and depressed. Then I sought solitude, and here I soon became very melancholy. I would sometimes fall to weeping and feel unhappy without knowing why. Then, for no reason, I would suddenly be changed, and I felt a great inexplicable joy, a joy so powerful that I could not restrain it, but had to break into song, a mighty song, with only room for one word, joy, joy! I had to use the full strength of my voice, and then in the midst of such a fit of mysterious and overwhelming delight, I became a shaman, not knowing myself how it came about. 
The path can be difficult and grueling. How difficult? Very difficult. Navajo. That's pretty difficult. Oh. Very. Oh, like <laughs> on a scale from easy, medium, or hard. To difficult. Or level yeah. one, Mega Man two. You're picking out your hard. Wow. Did you just say a sent a full sentence? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. That my '80s kids will get. Right. Uh, there are people in their 30s who listen to this. Shout out to you. <laughs> Navajo and Huikal, also known as Vakaalritalri, shamans, might use peyote. This is just another name for yeah, yeah Huikal, but longer and harder to pronounce. Yep, but Ian awesome. gave me all this, so I'm using it. So they use peyote, which causes an intense physical purge followed by psychedelic visions. We won't go into the details of the physical purge because you might be eating lunch right now while you're listening to this. Others could wander the forest or the desert for days. Hungarian shamans believed that they died and came back to life in the course of their initiation. Otto Dorata, an Inuit shaman, recalled visions he had in which he was consumed by bears. I had not been lying there long before I heard the bear coming. It attacked me and crunched me up limb by limb, joint by joint. But strangely enough, it did not hurt at all. It was only when it bit me in the heart that it did hurt. Frightfully. Quality number two. So that's the calling. Now we're moving on. Oh, wow. I forgot. But we're done with the calling. That's what we were doing. We ended with the bear. We had a format. Okay. Spirits. Spirits. Shamans share a common belief in a world of spirits. These spirits vary from culture to culture. Many Native American tribes believe in creator spirits and nature spirits. These may be archetypal animal spirits or spirits that dwell in particular parts of the landscape. A specific mountain or river may have its own spirit, for example. This kind of belief can be found across cultures in Greco-Roman and tribal European and even Indian culture. In Africa and China, there's a strong belief in the power and presence of ancestor spirits, who can do good or do harm to the living. The Hmong people from the mountains of Vietnam, China, Laos, and Thailand also have a belief in nature spirits, and they believe that each human being has his or her own 12 spirits. That's right. You have 12 spirits. There like, are... Th- like what? chakras? Spirits. But spirits. In me? Yep. Just... Indwelling spirits. Wrestling around? Well, no, they're friends, I think. Oh. I, mean, I can't promise that they're friends. I need to check in. Let's get into this. You have three main spirits. The reincarnating spirit, the animating spirit, and the wandering spirit, or what we might call the astral spirit, the one that you can... Oh. You know, project out of your body. Um, when you dream, in particular, you, you're, uh, you're uh, what, what did I call it? Wandering spirit. That's yes. when it does its, you know, choicest wanderings. Then there are nine additional spirits, or shadow souls, tied to your health. And there are evil spirits lurking around most corners, dark or otherwise. Like, Even, like nine lives like a cat? You got nine shadow spirits plus your three main spirits. You said the nine have to do with your, your life? Your, like your health? health? Yeah, your health. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not like layered on top of each other. I think they're throughout your body. Um, and the evil spirits we have to watch out for because they're coming after your internal spirits. How many are those? D- numerous. Oh, I they, they didn't. In, they don't cut them the off. There's just a bunch. They're around all your corners, oh, okay. well lit and dark. Yeah, we've covered our twelve. We've so got the three and the nine. If we went through I Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, and China, we'd have to count all the corners. Then you know how many evil spirits there are. Mm-hmm. Okay. A bunch. If one or several of your nine shadow souls wanders off, which could be caused by sadness or fear or any number of other mental or physical problems, or gets kidnapped by your corner-dwelling evil spirit, 
the shaman has to call the shadow soul back to remedy your disease. The more souls are gone, and the longer they're gone, the sicker the patient will be until the shaman successfully fights off the evil spirits or otherwise regains them. So not exactly nine lives. You need all nine of them all the time. That's crazy. Or, you know, your leg needs to be amputated or something. So you just, how do you know if you lose one? You just become sick? Yeah, you'll feel some physical response or emotional response. Is it like a scale of like, if you just lose one, is it like a minor injury or is it like detrimental? Do you know what I mean? That's what it seemed like. It seemed like the more spirits that are gone, the worse worse you get. Yeah, Yeah, it gets worse and worse. And that'll cover spirits. Check. That was an easy one. Nice. Moving on to trance. Quality number three. Shamans go into some form of trance in order to achieve their contact with the spirit world. This doesn't have to be a full dissociative out-of-mind experience, or out-of-body as the case may be, but they need to put themselves into a state in which they can perceive the other world. This could involve drugs, Olivia will get to that next time, drums, dancing, or singing, or some combination of these. You don't need drugs. I say in my classes, I don't know if you guys have heard me say this in class, if uh, we all just like came to the theater one night and hung out for nine hours and I just sat around and drummed the whole time, some of you would start to have out-of-body experiences. Yeah. Probably wouldn't take nine hours. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Olivia's 15 minutes in. I'm gone. I'm gone. Just put me in a spinny chair and just let me have just at come it. Come around. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to induce trance, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We don't tend to do it much in modern American culture, but they're, they're all out there. They're all available to us. It's a pro dare podcast right here. <laughs> you don't need drugs, kids. Don't need drugs. Yes, you don't need drugs. To have an out-of-body experience. But they can help. (laughs) Dare. (laughs) This is very much an E-rated episode. Um, Mesamerican Mazatecs eat mushrooms to reveal the cures for their patients. I can't say it. Psilocybin. Yes, thank you. Nice job, you two. (laughs) (laughs) South American Dasana drink yahi. The villagers chant over the yahi before the shaman drinks it, and the yahi... What is that? What? I heard you say Dasani and then Yahi. <laughs> there is no Yahi in Dasani. Dasani. We're going to get sued. The Dasana. Okay, the Dasana. Sorry. I'm the so Dasana sorry. people drink Yahi, <laughs> which is not Dasani. Which isn't Yahi. Unrelated Yahoo. products. Wait, what's Yahi? Yahi? We're getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mushrooms. And it opens up a healing vision. Let's hear from one of the shamans as they uh, enjoy the yahi. This is what we are going to see when we are drinking yahi. We shall have bright visions. We shall have blurred visions. All this we are going to see. This we shall see when we are drinking yahi. Let's talk about treatment, shall we? Yes. Let's talk about treatment. (gasps) That was so weird. (laughs) I thought we were going to keep going. What's going to happen? What are you going to go? What are you going to do? Let's talk about treatment. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't work with these. Visions are means to achieving healing. And healing has a psychosomatic power. The patient is healed, at least in part, through their belief. That's what we mean by psychosomatic. This belief... Oh. Like, I was going to say, like, the episode we listened to where people could curse themselves. Yeah, yeah. Make yourself well just from sheer will. We made that episode. Yeah. Well, I know, that's what I was writing. <laughs> so listen to yeah, it. Take it on yeah. the plugging episode of ours <laughs> yes. so people can listen to uh, it. That's Hexdeath. That's our Hexdeath episode. Thank you. Beginning this, of our Dark Magic series. This will be Hexed Life. Yeah. Yes. 
Now we're yes, this whole series now is is hex life. It's all about balance. Giving them balance. (laughs) I actually introduced the concept of hex death to my wife, and she was like, "So if I think." that I'm going to die, then I'm going to die. And she started to get very anxious about it. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, now you serve to be part of a belief system and you're not. She's like, okay. And then she was fine. She said, I'm never going to have a belief system. <laughs> yeah. She was only she fine because you said that she's not a part of the belief system. <laughs> yes, yeah. She wasn't raised to appreciate hex death. Anyway, uh, the pa- where are we talking about? Belief is deep-seated, uh, and that doesn't mean that every shaman uh, is always believed, though. Okay, so this is the point I want to make. Just because the culture believes in hex death or the hex life, right? <laughs> magical cure, the spiritual healing, that doesn't mean that every shaman is believed. The shamans have to prove themselves. Um, and many shamans um, who go from village to village have to prove themselves every time they practice. So if you're a sort of roving shaman, you have to prove yourself to the community that you're working in. So the underlying belief is in the power of spirit healing, generally. But that doesn't carry over to the individual. The individual has to demonstrate their own unique ability to accomplish spirit healing. Do you see? Yes. Because not everybody can be a shaman. Right. Just because, yeah, we believe in the same thing. Maybe you weren't called, or maybe, you know... Maybe you're just not good. Maybe you're just not good There's at bad it. doctors. There's bad professors. Or maybe you've got, maybe you've got a weird smell to you. You know, like, I'll just, I'd rather take my business elsewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't trust a smelly shaman. Igjugarjuk. It's a, did that not work? <laughs> <laughs> I moved on, so yeah. those who wanted to laugh at it could at home, quietly. Oh, but we're keeping that. Yes. Oh. Igjugarjuk. Of the Pauline Mute, the largest of the Caribou Inuit subgroups, in part because I think it distracts from me having to pronounce all of that, yeah. tells a story about how, but I did it. You did, though. Tells a story about how his practice was received at a village. Talking about Igjukarjuk here. Um, and that was strange to him. Uh, so he goes to this village. We're hearing from a shaman who's visited a village, and he talks about what it was like to perform for people who had never seen him do his, do his thing before. While I was at Utkuhijalik, people there had heard from my wife that I was a shaman. And therefore, they once asked me to cure a sick man, a man who was so wasted that he could no longer swallow food. I summoned all the people of the village together and asked them to hold a song feast, as is our custom. Because we believe that all evil will shun a place where people are happy. And when a song feast began, I went out alone into the night. They laughed at me, and my wife was later on able to tell me how they mocked me, because I would not do tricks to entertain everybody. But I kept away in lonely places, far from the village, for five days, thinking uninterruptedly of the sick man and wishing him health. He got better, and since then, nobody at that village mocked me. Unlike Igjukarju, many shamans perform in front of the whole village. I make the argument to my classes that they are the root of both ritual and theater. In this way, they not only healed individual patients, but could potentially heal whole villages by putting the village's conflicts on display in order to resolve them, if only temporarily. If we think about theater, and by that I mean in the academic sense as any kind of performance we turn to for entertainment, so we would include television and movies today, and arguably 
podcasts, depending on the podcasts. Certainly not church secrets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. yeah. Church secret dig. <laughs> secret dig. Boy, I love picking on imaginary podcasts. They're the worst. Mm, give it some time. We'll, I'll make in their Instagram. <laughs> He'll Are you telling me you're going to start this podcast? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Well, your name is now Church Secrets. So. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is like chaos name. magic or something. Like we're conjuring this into being. Yeah. <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more it exists. Just uh, on you guys, it already does. <laughs> what are we talking about? Theater is all about conflict. Entertainment. The things that entertain us are all about conflict. We like stories about family and romantic conflicts, which are most situational comedies. A.K.A. Sitcoms. sitcoms. Yeah. Political conflicts like House of Cards, but also Game of Thrones. Apparently we only have the word of in political shows. West of Wings. <laughs> as well as ethnic and racial animosity. Movies that win Academy Awards. Our entertainment resolves conflicts that we experience in our own lives at a level removed from ourselves. We watch these conflicts and their consequences acted out, and they are temporarily healed. The rift between white America and black America in that movie with Vigo. What? There's a person named Vigo? Well, the green uh, just won the uh, Academy Award, Green Mile. It's Vigo and the guy from uh, if you just said from the Moonlight. Green Mile, green Mile's but... the Eminem movie. Right? Uh, that's eight, eight mile. mile. Oh, never mind. It's the I'm green done. book. Green mile, I don't watch movies. It's the prison. Green Mile is a. That's, I'm sorry. That's a different movie. Oh, okay. This is the green book. But the green mile is also a little bit about racial <laughs> relations. Doesn't the it's the green book, and it's Vigo and the guy from. Uh, he was just in. Uh, I don't understand True any Detective. Of the words you're saying except for green. I'm gonna move on now. Yeah, we gotta separate. we gotta have a movie podcast company <laughs> sort this all out. Yeah, we go to our Patreon where we sort out this quagmire we've wandered into. Anyway, we like movies about race. How about uh, Driving Miss Daisy? Okay, there, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Morgan the Freeman. Book? What the hell is that? It's a it just one. It's a new yeah, movie. A, well, I don't know new movies. Driving Miss Daisy with Morgan Freeman is about racial conflict in part, and it's somehow resolved in the movie, right? Temporarily, and it makes us feel better about racial conflict in America. But it still exists. But we feel better because we went and saw it. Do you see? That's what the shaman's up to socially is what I'm trying to say. He puts it on display because once you're able to see what you've done or what you're saying from a third perspective, right? it's, oh, well, that's silly. And we start, this is something we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years. Right. When we watch family dramas, like people, mother, mothers and, and daughters arguing, this is something that happens in our own homes, but we watch it at a level removed, and we're relieved of that pressure and anxiety for the moment that we're watching it acted out. Shamans often dealt with conflict between people in the village, so we're not really dealing with racial conflict because everyone's from the same village, right. and everyone has been probably going back thousands of years. Uh, so the conflict's really between individuals living in close proximity, like in your house. So if somebody got the evil eye, hex death, uh, they had to have gotten it from somebody for some reason. Somebody in the village had to have given them the evil eye. And both sides of the conflict have friends, which creates a village-wide rift. So mm -hmm. Olivia gives Shannon the evil eye, and Shannon goes back home, and she's like, Olivia gave me the evil eye. She's, There's no good reason for that. I'm conflict-diverse, so I shouldn't have gotten the evil eye from anyone. <laughs> 
I live to not get the evil eye, and Olivia's just giving it out willy-nilly. She must no. choose conflict! Right. So then Never. Shannon's friends all rally around her, and then Olivia's like, yeah, she's like, Shannon, why aren't you, why are you conflict-diverse? That's why I gave you the evil eye. And everyone's like, yeah, it's so annoying. And they're like, gathering around Olivia. So can't escape it. The whole village is now warring over these two, and Shannon's going to die in two weeks, and it's, it's all very, very tense. So we have the shaman come in. James enters the picture. That's not fair. No, why, why is that not fair? James is with Shannon. <laughs> She's with the shaman. It's true. The shaman. <laughs> the shaman heals the victim in the village square in front of everyone. So he drags Shannon out to the village square. Pick up your feet. <laughs> And Olivia's there to watch, and so is her whole faction, and Shannon's faction is there to watch, and they want Shannon to get better, and Olivia wants Shannon to suffer. So James makes her do some stuff. Go ahead. What are you going to make her do, James? I'm going to make her apologize. (laughs) Me? For being conflict averse. Yes. I'm going to make her apologize to Olivia. She'll probably, like, have to lick a toad and stuff. I don't know. She'll have to do some things. She doesn't like toads, so I'd probably give her, like, a Tootsie Roll or something. Does that cure her or make me feel better? Well, I'm talking about a fantasy (laughs) tribal culture here, not an actual tribal culture. But there are elements of the healing process that sort of expose her to uh, the, the the whole community and expose the conflict of the whole community. Okay, so I'm going to smoke a cigar and drown her in smoke. There you go. Yeah, and then just kind of move my hands around her. You got to put it on the back of your neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put the smoke on the back like... of your neck, and then I'll, 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 I'll like, fan <laughs> the smoke thing. towards you. The he- That is for some... You've seen that in some of the videos in class, yes, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. So uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is that the healing is kind of an ordeal. Uh, drinking noxious concoctions or the smoke or, or whatever. Um, and involves unpleasant things. And uh, it makes the giver of the evil eye, Olivia, feel redeemed, and the social bond is healed. Do you see? Oh. So Shannon is healed because of all the things you made her do, but Olivia's conflict with Shannon is also healed because she sat there and watched the whole thing go down. Hmm. And the conclusion of the healing is also the conclusion of the rift, and the farmer and the cowboy can be friends again. Balance. Mm -hmm. Restored. And everyone just just drops the grudge. Yep. No one... We move on. The shaman has healed her. It's time to move on. If you're like, I don't want to move on, shaman will be like, well, then you're going to get in here and start licking some toads. You won't want to do that. So. Salem witch trials could have used this more. Right? Yeah. See? <laughs> we broke with the shaman too early in human civilization. We should still have them hanging around. So they, there are, but just not in our Western, modern Western culture. So would they just do that to replace, like... I guess, like, punishment? Like, it's only if someone, like... Well, it's not merely to punish. It legitimately does heal. Okay. I guess, like, if somebody, like, did something bad to the village or, like, hurt somebody, would they take the person who did the damage and then try to heal them? Inevitably, Still, this would probably or... result in some sort of magic acting, black magic work, that then okay. the shaman heals. Do you see? Yeah. Now, we're not talking about all shamanic cultures. Again, we're talking about some cultures this sort of stuff will take place. But if you do something bad to somebody else, they'll seek revenge through magical means, which will then require the shaman to heal and that social rift. All right, cool. Do you see? Yeah. So in Siberia, Tuvan shamans begin a healing seance by first introducing themselves to the audience who is gathered to watch the healing, diagnosing the disease, then dispatching the spirits to acquire the cure. 
the spirits return and state the case. The patient's soul is to be in some sort of danger. The patient listens and grows more and more nervous. This is a specific example, right? Can you see? Yes. So we can imagine this with Olivia and Shannon. Shannon's growing more and more nervous as the shaman's stating this. The shaman dispatches the spirits again to save the patient's soul before it can be swallowed up into the underworld. Now the patient is very nervous. Oh no, Shannon, your soul is about to be swallowed up. And Olivia's like, ha ha ha. Got her. <laughs> and Shannon's like on the verge of a break- breakdown. James is like, I see your soul. It's about to be swallowed and you're going to be gone forever. And it's going to be real dark and clammy down there. And It's going to be really dark and clammy down won't there. Be, there won't be any shellfish. We yeah. know how much you enjoy those. No shellfish. And the shaman stops for a short intermission. What? Yeah. Cliffhanger? Yeah, really. He really does. It's a cliffhanger. He smokes a pipe. Yeah. And politely converses with Olivia and her friends. Also Shannon's friends. Also, maybe even Shannon. Hey, so she's freaking doing? out. <laughs> she's sweating and rocking back and forth. Finally, the spirits return with the prognosis. The patient will either be saved or condemned. After the intermission. Yes, there was an I intermission. I think the intermission is, the, is like the key part. I, I think it's a very important part. Yeah. So you see how, do you see now, Olivia, how these, this works in real yeah. shamanic tribal cultures? Even shamanism, which is a kind of shamanism, even. Oh. Yeah. Opposed to odd. Even. Uh, it's a Siberian kind of shamanism. Culture. Uh, this requires that the patients pass their diseases on to red birds or reindeer so that the disease might be carried away from both the patient and the village. Huh. We'll uh, see this similar theme surface in uh, the New Testament when Jesus casts the legion of devils into some pigs. Jesus and shamans have a lot in common. We're not worrying about that today, though. Just a little teaser for the future. I'm teased. Successfully teased. (laughs) (laughs) This works in modern medicine as well. We call it the placebo effect, and it functions because we believe, only we don't believe in healing rites and spirits. We believe in pills and surgeries. Let me demonstrate this to you. Placebo pills have a strong impact on pain and also depression. This might lead us to believe that placebos only affect subjective complaints, either psychological or physical. So I think I have less pain, and so I feel less pain. Yes, yes, that is the the thing. Or I believe my depression has been reduced, and so I feel less depressed. In the realm of feelings, the personal impressions of the patient matter a lot. But this effect actually goes deep, showing up in brain scans. Placebos have also been shown to work on less feeling-based conditions like asthma and ulcers. They cure ulcers with sugar pills. Patients were given two inhalers in an asthma test. The first round, they were told the inhalers contained an allergen and their airways constricted when they used them. You get me? Yes. So this is full of pollen, they say, and they use it. The second round, they were told the inhalers contained medication, and their airways opened up. Both inhalers contained saline solution. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) It's essentially an inhaler placebo. Yeah. Nothing that could harm or help. But when they were told it harmed, it harmed. When they were told it helped, it helped. It was the same stuff, and there was nothing, really, both times. The power of the mind. Right? In a similar study, six subjects were given three pills and told different things about them. The first was a stimulant for their stomachs, the second a relaxer, and the third a placebo. Their gastric motility, which is a phrase I will only ever utter once, but so let's do it again. Gastric motility was measured and responded according to what the patient was told about the pill. Stimulated, relaxed, or no response. In truth, all three pills were sugar. 
Sugar. Yep, placebos. <laughs> Nothing. So their stomachs responded according to what we told them. This was a pretty small study, but still, bizarre results. Injections and surgeries similarly carry the power of belief as an important component of their effectiveness. In 2002, a study subjected patients to one of three knee surgeries, real surgical treatment, arthroscopic lavage treatment. What the hell is that? It's really fancy. Arthroscopic lavage treatment, another thing I'll only ever get to say once, now twice, <laughs> or simulated surgery. Neither patients nor the physicians who treated them after the surgery knew what they'd received. So their home doctors didn't know whether they got the real thing or some other thing. And overall, there was no difference at all between the three groups. That's amazing. Even the people that just had their knees opened up, looked at, and then closed again. That sucks. All th- but it didn't because they, no, got, know, they had but... the same results as far as success. I'm not saying they all got better, but they got better yeah. in the same proportion to the others. All three groups reported less pain and improved function of the knee. The effectiveness of modern medicine is then not a purely scientific achievement. We put our faith in a materialist science, and that non-material faith actually influences the treatment. Sometimes so much so that the science is unnecessary, or perhaps even wrong. But we can't tell because belief is so strong. So the knee surgery could be a bad knee surgery that isn't actually helping people, you know, physically. Right. But because they believe it's helping them, it's helping them. So we don't figure out that the physical mechanisms of the surgery are nonsense all along. Weird and wild stuff. Ancient tribal shamans paired pharmacological treatments in the form of herbs with a belief-based cure that impacted the mind and the soul. They acknowledged the physical, but realized the incredible power of the mind as an entity that both influences and extends beyond the physical world. And that's what made them so effective at healing the sick and holding their communities together. And that's our discussion of shamans and the spirit cure. I miss them already. (laughs) Oh, the great thing is there are still tribal shamans, but all the things we're talking about are less effective if you don't believe. There's also what are called neo-shamans, which are Western-raised people who learn about shamanism and just watched a video on it. Oh. He's in Kentucky doing doing the shamanism thing. All right. But it's like shamanism, but he also, it's like actual, like, they'll be like on like a low dose of ayahuasca and he'll like do therapy with them. So, so it's it, a little bit of psychiatry. Yeah. And Psychedelic psychiatry. Yeah. Psychedelic psychiatry. <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. I'm a... We might start collecting. We might start a fund, a GoFundMe for a, a lawyer for this it? guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's um Two types of cult leaders. Yeah. I, I think that because I did study spiritual healing and I took some classes in it, actually, there, there are like particular things that you've got to say, you know, in regard to spiritual healing because you can't make promises. Yeah. Because you're, you can't practice medicine without a license. Yeah, it's, it's very it, the whole practice of medical licensure actually came about because of spiritual healing in the late 19th century. Really? Yeah, Christian science would Christian scientists oh. who practice spiritual healing, and we're going to do you know a, a whole segment on them uh, in a, in several episodes. But they would 
make these claims that they could cure you. It was essentially a mind cure through reading the Bible to you. And they would hang the shingle on, on the front of their door and say, I'm a doctor. And people would come and you know, they, they didn't know the difference between them and someone who was practicing at the time. Also pretty crappy medicine because medicine was really horrible in the 19th century. Uh, and it didn't, didn't matter to them. So medical licensure came about in order to differentiate between spirit healers and medical healers. There was all those like retreats that you could go to where they would be like, you'll live off of air or this river and you'll be healed. <laughs> right, yeah. And they would just die. <laughs> yeah, you, you, can, you can only make certain claims legally. So yeah. I'll keep my fingers crossed for our Kentucky shaman. I, I hope all is well for him and that he's successfully curing people who are not litigious. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing it, man. Okay, awesome. Let's get to our order of confessors, shall we? Yes. All right, uh, first of all, we have Vutsen. Vitsen, who's on Stitcher, the first person to write us a review oh on Stitcher, God. and I found it. I didn't even, it was two months ago he wrote this, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <reviews? laughs> uh, but we've got the Stitcher listeners, so wow. maybe when we said this about Facebook, we suddenly started to hear from Facebook, uh, from um, Spotify listeners, and oh, Google listeners started Google suddenly listeners, to tell us yeah. that we have Google <laughs> listeners on Google, so maybe the, spot, the Stitcher listeners can, can let us know they're there. Uh, but Vitsen fed us some stars, finds us fun, also chaotic. I'll take that. Sort of yeah. our vibe, yeah. We're all about that. And uh, Olivia, uh, uh, he's asked that we get our reptilian resources up on the webpage. Oh. Or he or yeah. she. He or she. I don't know if it's in. The resources, he said? Yeah, I want that on my desk by so. close of business tomorrow. It's okay. It's yeah. a website. <laughs> <laughs> First, I'm going to need to get a desk. Uh, David Pickle. I have a desk. I do, but I don't use you it in the office. summertime. Yeah. I don't have professor. a podcast desk. <laughs> I have a podcast stool. He needs a different desk for his occult thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need an occult this desk. This is absurd. Have it on my occult desk by close of business tomorrow. Yeah, I'll find that. It's in the astral plane. Yeah, okay. Uh, David Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get my astral projection on. David Pickle gave us a friendly nod on Facebook, calling us history with a twist. Aw. Yeah. that sounds delicious. I love friendly nods. Well, I said that. I mean, I, he didn't say friendly nod. I'm... I'm Referring to his Facebook it. action. <laughs> What's up, David? Uh, Larry, who works with psionics, psionics, and wow. I don't know, actually know anything about psionics. Um, energy healing, I am, I am isn't familiar it like with. Telecon, isn't it like kind uh, of got uh, to do with? Psi like... is in there, yeah. So yeah, I, but I it's... imagine it's got a, a sort of psychic component to it's it. A thing in D and D too. Yeah, it's also game-producing software. Really? really? Yeah. Well, uh, Larry, go ahead and shoot us a, a message over in them DMs or an email if you want to talk to me. Uh, we'd love to hear more about psionics. Uh, he's also in our home state of Maryland and is finding us amazingly informative. Maryland! He at least implied that. I think he might be in Baltimore. Uh, Maddie Cakes, by the way, uh, lives for Shannon's commentary. Aww. Aww. Oh, I, I remember seeing this because I saw the review. But first, I think the username was nobody, like, don't bother listening to oh, me because yeah, nobody does. Oh, yeah, and they changed it to changed it. or she. And I was like, no, I was listening. I saw the comment. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was Aww. like laying in bed. I saw the, aw. Lives for it, Shannon. Liz, I'm listening. Otherwise, I wouldn't have invited you to do this episode. Oh, I was not. <laughs> they I was are living almost, for it. <laughs> yeah. I was almost like kicked off the podcast. <laughs> Until Maddie Cakes spoke Maddie up. Maddie Cakes saved me. Uh, so thanks, Maddie. Uh, Peyton, Michelle, Olivia, coming for you uh, with a crystal ball. Same oh. her name, actually. Olivia's iconic. 
I'm iconic. I'm never going to let this go. You just like gave me license to always say that I'm iconic. I keep did saying, I? She actually said it right before oh, the, we Peyton started Michelle recording. I, I have probably, anytime Ryan has said anything to me since that review, I've been like, well, I'm iconic, so it doesn't matter. So like, be careful what you're writing on this iTunes page. Uh, Jesse AO dropped us a little love it. Love the love it's. Those are my favorites. <laughs> I love it when people write love, love it. Love it. A plus. Uh, or A plus, yeah. Uh, and he likes us for being fun and educational. Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. So those are our uh, our reviews. We've, we've we have been hearing a lot from folks, and that's delightful. Yeah. Uh, I also do want to mention in our order of confessors now that I will be interviewed on the podcast Magic and Mediums by uh, Aniel. So we're looking forward to to that experience. And when I have more details, I'll I'll put that in the three plugs when we know what uh, how that goes. <laughs> Congratulations, dear sir. I thank you. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't itching. Yeah, I did. I did. I got. I got an interview of me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get out of this episode, Olivia. Oh, wait. There's. It's more. fine. We don't. We say it. Okay. I just want to file a quick complaint oh. about. Um... We were almost out. <laughs> well, for the last episode, for like last episode of, anyways. Savannah went on that whole bird rant about yeah. how birds are spies, and James never once mentioned the conversation I had with his mother. Go on. <laughs> Not that long ago. Do tell. Oh, yes. I will tell. <laughs> <laughs> now you have our attention. You have, uh, <laughs> right. Yes. She just, like, came up to me. It was just, like, a normal day, you know. She just comes up to me, and she just, with complete seriousness, she's like, where do all the dead birds go? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, Miss Sandy. <laughs> when they die? Yeah, when, oh, yes, that's a very important part. Where do all the Not dead south. birds go? <laughs> Not south. When, they, when die. they die, she's like. Like they keel over and their body shoots south. Well, she was like, you would think. <laughs> with People all, get hit on the way. She's like, you would think with the amount of birds there are, you would see them in the streets. <laughs> and I'm like, well. I've, I've buried a few. I, have to I say. feel like really? animals, scavengers. That's probably. what I said. And cats. cats. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, I feel like animals. It's not it as up. mysterious as we thought. And she was I just. Mean, <laughs> she would not let it go. She would like, and this like conversation lasts like would reoccur for a week. Like every time I said, she's like, I just still can't get over those birds. Like, you where should. are those said birds? It's because they're spies. I was right? say, tell her that the military <laughs> takes them back. So they either never never die, or Reagan somehow. He calls them, them back. Yes. <laughs> okay, With his horn, he just like blows a call into the air. I think part of it is like my mom's expecting every fall to just see birds falling from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> like September 23rd, she just looks like, outside yeah. and Alfred wants to see them rain like, down like the frogs. Like, like a plague of locusts. <laughs> everything I said to her, she was just not having it. She's like, no, they would be somewhere. I would see them. They would be <laughs> It's like, I don't know. She's on to something that There's we're not. There's a show or a movie where the birds die like that. I can't the remember. Alfred Hitchcock? The they kill us. <laughs> oh, I was like, are we talking about the most? All right, close it. Get out. Let's get out of here. I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the... Wait, what order is it? You participate. That'll help. <laughs> Wait, what's the order all of a sudden? I can't... 
I hereby adjourn and declare closed this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors till such a time as we get together and do it again! Yeah! Was that aggressive? That was very aggressive. James and I were kind of like hyping each other up. Oh, I had my eyes closed. We were, we had eye contact. Otherwise I would have shut that down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> our, vo our voices today. Uh, James actually did a voice for us. Woo. Delightful. Woo. Uh, we had Sean Priest, who's been a regular this summer. Thanks, Sean, for joining us. Sean mm -hmm. Priest doing a couple of shamans. And uh, Hunter Sheeler doing a shaman for us. Woo -woo -woo. Delightful. Joining us in the circle, Olivia Literal, our grand master. Get ready for DMT, but don't actually do it because then you won't be able to listen to the episode if you're on DMT. It's very good advice. Do it after. James Caplanche is captain of the table. Uh, yeah, I did some voices. <laughs> Shannon Landers, our Instaquisitor. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, my name's Rob Thompson. I am your supreme hierophant and your host here at the Alchemical Actors stage. It's actually the Cadby Theater on uh, Chesapeake College's campus beautiful Y Mills, Maryland, which you pass on the way to Ocean City. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you, listening to you, having you listen to us in our next episode where Olivia <laughs> will flip that mic and tell what? us about machine elves and how they visit us in our DMT hallucinations. Maybe, if you're lucky or not lucky.